John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray for God's blessing upon his word. Lord God, we thank you for giving this message from your son, Jesus Christ, uh, that you sent him for this work, and also uh, through him has revealed your will more to us, even as he has been at work in all ages. So especially in these last days, you have sent your son that we would uh, behold the one promised and to receive him. We pray that you would instruct us, therefore, in your word, uh, that we might be built up uh, in it, by it, that we might do it as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we finally come to the Passover. Uh, We've gone in the Gospel of John from the Feast of Booths to the Feast of the Dedication. We've seen the healing of Lazarus. The Passover, people have already been collecting for that to purify themselves ahead of time. Then he had his triumphal entry into town on that Sunday The uh, Passover that year was going to be on a Friday, although uh, the way they reckoned days, it would begin what we would call Thursday evening. And it's probably that Thursday day that is being referred to as before the feast of the Passover. Well, he's on the cusp of the Passover, but just before the meal begins, he knew that his hour had come. It was his hour had come that he would depart out of this world And he loved them to the end. In this passage, which begins a long 
passage in the Gospel of John, these instructions on that night, the night of his betrayal, uh, take up chapters 13 through uh, chapter 17, where he ends with a prayer. And so especially this first verse is, is pivotal uh, to the beginning of this new section. In the first, we'll find that Jesus loved his own who were in the world to the end. Secondly, that you should receive the service of Lord Jesus, that you might have a share in him. And thirdly, that you should follow the example of Lord Jesus and serve one another. But firstly, especially with the first verse in mind, Jesus loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. As it says here, the feast of Passover was about to begin. It began with a meal in the evening, and before it began, he knew that his hour had come. He would be crucified during the Passover. In fact, he would be crucified on the day of Passover, the first day of Passover. He would rise again on the third day, He would ascend to the Father 40 days after that. And so his death, his resurrection, his ascension are all considered as one movement, as one uh, event, one hour here. That it is the end of his earthly ministry. It's the culmination of his earthly ministry. And it's going to be succeeded by his heavenly ministry sitting at the Father's right hand. And so as this transition is going to uh, take place, beginning with his death, on the next day, he presses on in love. He had loved those who were his own, his disciples, and he continued to love them, and he would love them to the end. He goes into Passover loving his disciples to the uttermost, and he would show this by his death on the cross. Notice that Jesus loved us, and he gave himself up for us, as Paul says in Ephesians. Not only did the Father love us by sending his Son But the Son loved us and laid down his life willingly out of love. It's not like the Father loved us and sent his Son, and poor Son, he didn't have any choice, he just had to do it. No, he loved us too. They loved us with the same love. They are one God. After all, the triune God exercises one and the same love for the same people. The love of the triune God, not merely of one person, Father, Son, or Spirit, but the love of God was demonstrated at the cross. When you think of Jesus, think upon his love for his own, his love for his disciples, a love which was demonstrated by his humiliation and his death for you. Loving them, Jesus therefore washed their feet as a sign of his enduring love for them before he departed. This was during supper, or could be translated after supper had been served. But in either case, it was probably before they began to eat been natural to wash before they began to eat, especially as they were probably sitting on cushions or on the floor and their feet were all pretty close to them. Back then they wore sandals and a lot of dust and dirt would get kicked up. So washing the feet wasn't the unusual part. The fact that Jesus washed their feet was the unusual part. Now notice verses 2 through 3 set the stage. The devil had put it into the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. But the Father had given all things into Jesus' hands. And Jesus knew that he had come from God and was going back to God. The devil's plan was at work. When Judas did his work, it wasn't just Judas. 
doing his evil deeds, but this was a satanic plan. Uh, that's the forces of evil, the forces of darkness were coming against Christ. And yet, at that moment, they were fulfilling the purposes of God. That all things were, in fact, in the hands of Christ. And that he knew where he was going. And he knew that his hour had come. And he went forward willingly to lay down his life for his disciples. So the evil purposes of the devil and Judas would only serve the purposes of God. To raise up Jesus to the cross and then to life and glory. So Jesus knew the hour of his departure had come. He went forward in love for his disciples. He went in love, loved them to the end. So he rose from supper to teach his disciples a lesson. He had become, he had taken the form of a servant by becoming a man for the salvation of sinners. Now he took on the dress and the duty of a servant before his disciples to wash their feet. He took off his outer garments um, as if you know, I took off my jacket and rolled up my sleeves. You know, this, he, he got ready to do this work. He took a towel, he tied it around his waist, and he used that to wash his, their feet as he had water in a basin. And he went around from disciple to disciple to wipe them with the towel that is wrapped around him. And uh, he does this, loving them to the end. Now, it was meant out of love. But it was also shocking to the disciples. And so we come to the second point, that you need to receive the service of Jesus, that you might have share with him. All the the apostles were probably startled by what Jesus was doing, but it's Simon Peter who speaks up when Jesus comes to Peter. Jesus came to Peter, but they're probably all thinking, will their Lord wash their feet? This is the work for a slave or for a servant. This seems beneath their Lord to wash their feet. They should be washing his feet. That's what Peter speaks up. Will you, Lord? He calls him Lord. You're Lord, remember? Lord, will you wash my feet? Then Jesus says, I know you don't understand what I'm doing. You'll understand this later. But then Peter doubles down. You shall never wash my feet. Literally, to the end of the age, or, you know, unto the age, you will never wash my feet. In this, Peter showed uh, false humility. It seemed like he was humble. He was saying, oh, Jesus, don't be, don't humble yourself. I'm not worthy of you washing my feet. But rather, he was not being humble. He was not submitting to his Lord. He was telling his Lord to stop doing what he was doing. This is much like Peter rebuked Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels and the other Gospels, like in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus said that he would need to be crucified. And, Jesus, and Peter said, no, no, that's, that's not a good idea. Don't, don't do that. That's a paraphrase. But um, similarly here, Peter did not think what Jesus was doing was good. He told him to stop. But that was not right. Jesus will have the last word here. Do not think that you know better than Jesus. Submit yourself to him as Lord and Master and trust him, even if his ways seem unusual. We also find that Peter, to some degree at least, misunderstands the mission of Jesus, or at least he forgets in the moment. Jesus had said on another occasion, recorded in Matthew twenty, twenty-eight, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life 
as a ransom for many. He had already come all the way down to become a man. That was a a greater uh, step down than from being uh, a man to then washing their feet. Uh, He had come to serve, to become a ransom for many, to even die for their sins. He humbled himself for their salvation. And so this service that he performs for those who are undeserving, who are far beneath them, and yet he humbles himself to serve them, this service is a great gift, and it's to be gratefully received. And so there is a need to receive the service of Jesus. Jesus told Peter, If I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. If you do not receive the service of Jesus, if you will not let him wash you, then you have no part with him. You have no share in him. You are a stranger cut off with him. You do not have life in him. You must let him wash you if, he would, if you would have communion with him and his grace. It's humbling to receive the service, even as it was humbling to perform it. It's humbling to receive his grace because it means you need washing. It means that your filth brought down the Son of God to humble himself for you. And we don't perhaps always want to admit that, or at least the sin uh, that is natural, was natural to us, rebels against that idea. But no, that is good for us. That is true. That we do need washing. And that Jesus did this great gift. And he did come down for us and for our salvation. But you will not share in the life of Christ if you do not receive his washing. Now, what kind of washing are we talking about? Uh, Does Jesus come and literally wash your feet today? Well, Jesus often took, no, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Jesus often took earthly realities and used them as metaphors for spiritual realities. He talked to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he actually wanted water because he was thirsty. But he also then turned that into a conversation about him being the living water or the one who would supply the living water of eternal life and the spirit. Well, similarly here, he uses the mundane reality of washing their feet to refer to spiritual washing, a cleansing from sin. And that becomes more clear as the conversation goes on. Peter says, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Um, oh, if that's the way it is, I want you to do everything then, you know, or at least my, heads, my head and my hands. Uh, don't stop at my feet. Uh, goes from one extreme to the other as uh, he impulsively does. Jesus then says to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. When he says you are clean, it's a plural you. So you all, speaking of the disciples, are clean, um, except not one of you. you know, not everyone. There's Judas he's going to talk about. But here he's using it like a mini parable. Uh, in normal life, in that day, if a person had washed their body, they didn't need to wash again at dinner except for their feet, because their feet was the part that got dirty as they went about their day. Uh, they were wearing sandals, and so they, they got dirty. But even so, and so even so, Christ's disciples have received a washing that has made them clean, has made them katharos which I want to point out because I have a daughter named Catherine. So that's the where that word comes from. But they are 
katharos. They are clean. They are pure. Uh, they are clean. And so they only need to be, they only need to wash their feet. I'm mixing the metaphor here. They are clean. They are pure, except for hypocrites like Judas. They don't need to be regenerated again. They don't need to be born again again. They don't need to be justified again. You are a new creation. You've been received by God. If you are a disciple of Christ, a true one, not, not a hypocrite like Judas. Condemnation has been removed. You've passed from death into life. The internal power of sin is broken. The word for bathe here is the same word as the washing of regeneration in, in Titus. Uh, this has happened. So his disciples only need to wash their feet, as it were. Again, thinking of the parable. They should continue to put sin to death, the sin that clings so closely, that mortifying of sin, that growth in grace. They should continue to confess their sins through the mediation of Christ, like John explains then in 1 John, confessing your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You continue to receive and rest upon Christ for your salvation. You continue to receive the service of Jesus and rest upon the work that he did for you. So there's both a definitive time, uh, an application of this salvation to you, but a continual receiving and resting upon Christ. You are dependent upon this. You never get beyond relying upon Christ. But you do need to continue to, to rest upon him, to come to him for the cleansing from sin. But you do not need to be born again again. You are clean. As Jesus will say in chapter 15, 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. It's because of the gospel uh, that they have been made clean. That you have been made clean. The third point here is that we ought to follow the example of Jesus and serve one another. Jesus said these things as he received the pushback from Peter but then he takes back his seat, uh, he sits at the table, and he goes on to explain why he had gotten up to do this. What was the meaning of it? He had given his disciples an example. He is telling them that they should do like he did. Now, Jesus, in doing this, in washing their feet, he did not abdicate his authority. He did not lay down his authority and divest himself of that um, he says, they rightly called him teacher and Lord. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. I am, he says, your teacher and Lord. But then he used his authority to teach them to serve one another. He used his authority to command them, you ought to do this. But he also used the argument that if he, your teacher and Lord, washed the feet of his disciples, who are you to think that you're above such things? Who are you to be haughty and proud? If anyone had a right to be a little aloof, it would be the king of kings. Are you above your Lord? Does he hold, do you hold a higher rank than Christ? No. Jesus has stooped low to serve you, to wash you, to bring you out of the mire. Jesus, Jesus literally washed his disciples' feet. They were really stinky, really dirty. Um, that was not too low for him, but he would go lower still. He would go to disgrace upon the cross within 24 hours' time. And so as he did this service for his disciples, so also you ought to wash one another's feet. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you should make this a, a sacrament or a ceremony. Uh, that's not the point, I believe, of this passage. Washing feet was a practical reality in much of human history. And uh, when Scripture speaks of it, other passages, it speaks of it as a, a, a duty of hospitality, not as a, a sacrament or ceremony. Uh, Jesus means you should serve one another by this and similar deeds of service. These words mean that you should not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, that you should show hospitality to the saints, that you, even the high and exalted, should serve their brothers in Christ as such, as brothers and sisters. In our culture, we don't need to wash feet in the same way in most situations. We have shoes. We don't walk around in the dust as much. Uh, it's not always uh, something that we do. Um, probably in some parts of the world, you could probably apply it by still washing each other's feet. But uh, there are other ways to apply the same principle. You can find other needs to fulfill, to serve your brother or sister in Christ. Other ways to serve each other, even if it seems unpleasant or lowly or beneath you. If Jesus did this, how much more should we serve one another? Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others, to have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. And so we are taught to imitate our Lord and Savior and to follow his commands by serving one another. So to conclude, remember the love of Jesus. Jesus loved his own who were in the world to the end, and he loves you still. Remember the service of Jesus. Receive his gift that he obtained by humbling himself. Come to the Lord Jesus to be washed from your sins, that you might have communion with him in life. And remember the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Lord Jesus by serving one another in humility. Let us pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would make it fruitful in our lives, that you would give us wisdom and insight to see the opportunities before us, how we might help and serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, both in our household and outside our household, uh, those who have come to the Lord Jesus, that we might show them this same uh, love and service. We pray that you would continue to show this love toward us, to uh, cleanse us from this sin that sticks to us, that by your Spirit you would guide us to mortify these sins, that uh, we would uh, walk in your ways. We pray, Father, that uh, you would bring the lost to this salvation, that they might be clean, made clean by your grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.